0: You're about to listen to a message from the Life Point Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Praise God. If you're clapping, let's do it a little more for Jesus. Let's celebrate Jesus this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hold the hand of your neighbor. Hold the hand of your neighbor. Hold the hand of your neighbor. If, I can, if you can stand, I will appreciate it. Stand and hold the hand of your neighbor. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for the supply of your spirit in this place. We thank you for someone that you brought into this service this morning because you propose to touch and transform them. We ask that your spirit will rest upon everyone here. Healing broken hearts. Giving direction giving wisdom, taking away confusion, releasing peace into our heart. So I stand against anxiety, agitation, fear, and every form of oppression this morning. I speak peace into every heart. And I declare this morning that the word of God has a free course in our heart leading to transformation and a change of our minds. Bring us closer to you. Give us encounters with you and let your name be glorified. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Say believing amen. amen. One more time, put your hands together. I appreciate Jesus as you take your seat. Amen. Praise God. I said, Praise God. Hallelujah. How to know the will of God. How to know the will of God. Pastor Idris, is that my topic? How to know. The will of God. Is there anyone here you, you have walked in God's will before? As in, yeah, at the, the end result showed that you actually walked in God's will. Can I see a show of hand? Yeah. Something happened, you took a decision, and at the end of it, you knew, you knew that that was God's will. Can I see both bold hand going up? Okay. Is there anyone that may want to share... Just one minute of my preaching time, the experience, that experience, anyone at all, you're going to stand there, I'll put the microphone in your mouth, so that when you're talking too much, I'll take my microphone away, because I have this time, not you. I'm just borrowing one minute. Anyone at all? Anybody? They're no longer bold. Oh, I can still see one hand there. Come, please. God bless you. Come. Let's appreciate her. That's the boldest person in this service. <laughs> Let's appreciate her as she comes. All right, you're going to tell me your name and exactly what happened.
1: Praise the Lord. Um, good morning, church. My name is Priscilla Nuhu. Um, I made up my mind to trust God because I desire Him to bless me with um the gift of speaking in tongues. So I was, I trust, I trust Him for that and. So, so many times I came out for altar calls, but nothing happened. So I told God that I'm not going to come out again, but I'm going to trust Him, and I would desire him to lose my tongue. So a faithful day um at home after dinner um was ready, so i was I said let me wait for my mom to come and serve dinner. So I started worshipping God, and I was connected, and the Lord visited me, and He lost my tongue, and I could not hold myself any longer. And he loosed my tongue because several times when I tried to speak, he, 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 um, I would just feel like maybe I'm not saying the right. Maybe I'm trying to force myself to speak. So, But that day he visited me and he lost my tongue. I could not withhold myself again. And
0: Praise God. Well, can you speak in tongues for us? Let's do it together.
1: La Konza La Honda Le
0: Come on. God bless you. <laughs> Praise God. That was bonus for everybody. So that you know that she <laughs> she, she actually had an encounter. A, a story um, actually speaks to trusting God. But that is post knowing the will of God. You can't trust God if you're not even sure of the will of God. Because you're not sure it's going to happen. But when you know that something is God's will for you, then it becomes easier for you to be able to trust God to make it work. Let me start by saying that when you recognize that every word of God in the scripture is God's will for you, the only thing you are contending with is the issue of timing. Are you still with me today? So every believer must understand that the written word is already God's will. When it comes to the issue of the written word, the only thing that is in contention is timing. So if God says, I'm going to bless you. I mean, he says, for instance, um, none shall cast their young, none shall lack their mate. So if I'm trusting God for a life partner, what I'm contending with is timing, not whether it's God's will or not. Except God tells me specifically, that um, I want you to be a eunuch. Outside of that, then the rest is about divine timing. But there are more intricate issues in that line, since I started talking in that line, is that at a point in time, now that you know it's God's will to be married, (laughs) at a point in time, then God will present to you his sons. And then you have to be able to say, which one, Lord? That's becoming more intricate. Am I saying the truth? So, knowing the will of God is a journey of walking with God. A journey of walking with God. Yeah. A journey of walking with God. You know, you can't know the will of somebody that is a stranger to you. That's when Based on relationship, there are certain things you can predict about people. I will say together. Yeah. Pastor Idris and I, I've been relating very closely for many years. It can predict some of my proclivities. Yeah, it will say, "I know, Peter is going to do this. I was going to do that," just because of the, because of knowledge, and closeness. Yeah, when you start to walk with God, certain things that people fear about—I don't even know what God will—is really you, you just you know them sometimes instinctively because you, you you've known God, you've known how He works. So I'm going to start out by talking to. How to position, or preparing to be led of God. What kind of position should I take, to, you know, if I'm going to be the kind of person that will consistently walk in God's way, or know God's way for my life. Uh, there's a position, ways to position yourself. I've, I've, you know. Uh, been at critical junctures in my life, where I needed to make decisions. And I can still remember how I trusted God to know his will concerning the situation. Maybe I should talk about a few, then I'm going to talk about, it's going to head my discussion with you on the positioning. I remember when I was going to go into university for my first degree. I got saved as a teenager while still in high school. And so I've been working with God. And I knew that the Bible says that the steps of a good man they are ordered by God. Fortunately for me, after I gave my life to Christ, my parents, you know, washed their hands, like we say, off my life. Because I was, I was, I was born into a Muslim family, and um, it was tough for them to, you know, grapple with the fact that I'm now a Christian, I'm going to church. They just said, go and live your life, you know. And it was a blessing in disguise. Because I, I didn't have that, that somewhat, sometimes overbearing uh, um, opportunity that some of you may have had. Where somebody insisted, this is the school you must go, this is the course you must study. Yeah, I, I, none of that. They just washed their hands off my life and said, from now you make your own decisions. We don't want to be a part of your life again. It was a blessing in disguise. <laughs> because it helped me to start to take responsibility for my life early. And to take responsibility for my Christian experience early. One thing I started telling myself uh, was that you have to now prove that the God you are serving is a real God. If not, you'll be put to shame. Because nobody forced you in your family to become a Christian. They, somebody prayed to you, you accepted Jesus, He said that's how you're going to live. So prove to them that you have a walk with God. I remember one of my uncles you know, drew me close one day and said, don't you think that you're a wicked boy. I said, why? He said, your father and your mother they're in serious disagreement over your life. Because, you know, mothers are always very empathetic and emotional. So while my dad was saying, I don't want to have anything to do with this boy again, she would be saying, no, you can't leave him. So there was very strong tension. And my uncle said, you know, you're the cause of all this trouble. She appealed to me emotionally to the point where I was actually thinking Maybe I should change my mind just for the sake of my parents. But I felt the Holy Ghost telling me that, you know, just infusing strength into my heart, that your decision is right. All you just need is to continue to pray. You know what I told him? I said, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to trust God that the issues will be resolved. I had another encounter. I was in the boarding house. While I got into that school, everybody knew I was a Muslim because in the school, I went to government College, and I was... A, a, I was in the boarding house. In the school, in the 80s, I don't know what obtains now, in the in the 80s, in that school, you had the school chapel and the mosque. The Muslim students went to the mosque every Friday. The Christians went to the chapel every Sunday. There's, uh, the mosque prefect and the chapel prefect. From the first day my dad took me to the school, he handed me over to the guardians counselor. The man was an allergy, he was a Muslim. That was why my dad loved him and then said, you're going to be my sons, because the tutors, they appoint mentors. My dad was the one that decided who my mentor was going to be. He didn't allow the school to choose. Yeah, and he insisted. So the man was always looking after me. After I gave my life to Christ, I stopped going to the mosque. The mosque prefect and some other prefects who were Muslims came to my room. These were A-level students. (laughs) They were the senior that we used to be afraid of. That time, we, we used to look at them like grandfathers because they had hair on their leg, hair everywhere, and we were very bare. You know, we were wearing shorts. <laughs> 11 students used to wear trousers. <laughs> we used to be afraid of them. Can you imagine they came to my room, said that Akilabi that, boy, come, come. You have not been coming to the mosque. What's wrong with you? They said everything. threatened. You know what I said? I asked them to pray for me. That if the, their prayer is answered, God will change my mind. They were looking at me like, what kind of boy is this? I mean, I was a small boy. I was, you understand? <laughs> so I'm telling you, I told you this story for you to understand where I'm coming from. When I said, after high school, even making a decision as to which university to go, I was already accustomed to praying about it. I got three admissions. University of Lagos, University of Agriculture at Belkuta, and Federal University of Technology at Korea. I now had to pray to choose which one. So I remember this day, I got back from church. It was a Sunday afternoon. I was living with my brother somewhere in Akoka, in Lagos here. It was just the two of us, because my brother also had become, uh, born again then, and my dad had said, both of you should go and sort yourself out. He, was the first, he is the first from my mom, and um, there's quite some years in between us. So he just got his first job with a bank and got a small apartment, a one-bedroom. That's why I moved with him. Now, I go back. That day, the body was so strong in my heart to know the will of God as to which university to go. I prayed. In fact, I'm sure our neighbors were hearing my prayer. Because that following week, I had to pick one and start my registration. And as I finished praying, I went calm. And I hear in my spirit God saying, go pick up your journal. There were certain things you wrote down about the kind of school you wanted to go. Somehow, I went, picked up my journal, and I just looked through. And I saw about three or four things that I wrote maybe a year or two before then. One of them was that I want to go to a school that is far from Lagos and Ibadan, because those were the places where (laughs) you could find my relatives. (laughs) So that I can do anything I like there. Especially in terms of living my Christian life. It was already written there. I also said I wanted to study something that is kind of professional or that I can practice. That was based on ignorance anyway, because now you realize that any course you study, you can be professional. (laughs) But that was what I wrote then. Now, I got an admission, uh, I think, University of Lagos, maybe to study physics. I got an admission, University of Technology, Abeokuta, uh, um, to study um, computer, no, mathematics, but with the option of transferring to computer science. Then I got an admission at Federal University of Technology, Akure, to study uh, mining engineering. Now, out of all the two schools, one is in Lagos, one is in Abeokuta. Abeokuta is just less than one hour from Lagos. Accraire is about three or four hours away. It's mining engineering. It sounds professional. That was based on my level of knowledge then, anyway. Uh, um, and, I, I, and one other thing that I'd written down that I can't remember right now. When I read the three and I put the three universities side by side with them, I knew the one. Yeah, I knew the one. It was with joy when my brother came. I said, I'm going to Accra this week to register. He said, are you sure that's the place you should go? I said, yes. Yeah, and that settled it for me. My imprint is still in that school. The, 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 the campus ministry that God helped me to start there in 1994 is still thriving. They celebrated the 23rd anniversary this April. Yeah. If I went to Unilag, I may not be a pastor today. Because most of my friends were there and they were doing rubbish. Though I was saved, my leg was still like this. One was still. As in, with all these stories that I told you about praying and what, I was really praying, I was into God, but I just found out that I was the kind of person that could be easily influenced. And God saved me from that. Maybe I should say this also to help somebody. How do I know I could be easily influenced? Can you imagine everything I've told you and how serious I was as a teenager and as a Christian? So I went to hang out with my friends at the University of Lagos once. (laughs) And... um, so when one of their rooms and somebody was playing um, this Tracy Chapman's uh, song. Baby, can I hold you tonight? How many people remember that song? If you are holding up, you should. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the way I was grooving to that song and the fact that I asked for a copy of it, you know, and all that, my Christian friends were just looking at me like, ah. So they called me after and I said, ha. Ah. God, man, are you still born again? (laughs) I said, but it's just a song. Many years later, I realized that maybe that was part of the reason why God did not lead me to go to that school. When I got to Accra, the atmosphere was so conducive for my heart to grow. Within the, 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 I was like going to my second year or so when I started the fellowship. And from there, ministry just started to blossom. Everybody in the school, when I was there, knew me. A club did uh, like a a poll asking students, the popular student in school. A particular year, I won, and I was a pastor. All the club boys, they didn't win. I was more popular than them. I'm serious. So I was wondering, there has to be a purpose for which God allowed me to go into this school. That's why you can't take things in your life for granted. And you have to seek to know his will. I told all these stories to, for you to know that it's important not to take your, your even some decisions that you feel uh, maybe they don't have any serious implications. You could have gone to any university and read any course. They actually do. Decisions about where to work. Oh, I can work with PwC or KPMG. They do because it's not the same people that are in PwC that are in KPMG. And there are certain people you need to know early in life because there are certain things they need to speak into your destiny. Somebody still with me today. Time will not permit me, but I have stories about divine leading. How I agreed to go into full time ministry with God. It was just leading, God being able to say, Look, this is my will for you. Some other day I'll tell you the one about my wife. That's my cliff anger for that. Maybe another time. Then Pastor Edris invites me. I'll talk about that. Praise God. (laughs) I said, Praise God. Preparing to be led by God. There are three things I want to suggest to you. Ways to position yourself to be led of God. First one is living a spirit-filled life. Ephesians 5, verse 18, it says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein there's excess of dissipation. It said, but be filled with the spirit. Be filled with the spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. There's a way you can position yourself to work in the will of God by always living a life Having a life in the spirit. The spirit, ladies and gentlemen, is not an escape route. Just like some people will say, ah, hmm, I need a million naira next month. I need to walk by faith. Oh. I see faith is a tool. Like when you want to knock a nail into the wall, you now remember, I need an hammer, a, a hammer. And then you now go and get the hammer for that purpose. Faith doesn't work like faith is a lifestyle. It's not a tool that you need to knock something in. That's how some of us, ah, I need to walk by faith. Oh, I need, You're already walking by faith. You are a faith person. That's what it, 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 it is with the spirit also. You need to know how to live your life in the spirit as someone that is primarily a spirit. If you are here and you are born again, you have a new life in Christ Jesus. That new life is a spiritual life. So you are now spiritually aware. You are living in the spirit. Whether any man is in Christ, is a new creature. All things are passed away. That's in the spirit. All things have become new. The things of the flesh are still the same. We need to walk through a journey of renewal of mind to align with your new status. Can you imagine if somebody is brought in from the village to run a company in Lagos? It's a different thing for, you, for them to call you general manager. But you know you just arrived from Ibotele in Kaurat State. (laughs) You are the general manager. The status is different from the person. The person needs to align with the new status. As I give my life to Christ, my status in the spirit changed. And I have authority in the spirit. I'm now a child of God, under a covenant with God. My spirit is now alive. It was dead in sins and, and trespasses, but now alive my mind has to shift that the devil can no longer harass me. So a man from the village who is now a general manager in Lagos running the company has to start to think differently. Yeah. For him, to for his status to align with his personality. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying today. When I talk about living in the spirit, that's what I'm talking about. You need to come become aware of your life, your new life, And your new status. So be not drunk with wine. Wherein there's excess. But the Bible says. But be filled with the spirit. Be conscious of the spirit of God around you. It is. uh, What I choose to call. Intoxication from the realm of glory. What has happened to you. Is now intoxicating you. Is taking over your life. You allow the Holy Spirit to be the one. That takes over your life all the time. Being spiritually alert and inspired by the Spirit, consistently. The Spirit is, you know, you are seeing everything. Everything is colored by your new status. That's how uh, to live a Spirit-filled life. It's not by floating and walking like, a, like an angel, like a spirit, and you're always speaking in tongues. You know, when I in university those days, uh, some, some of the most spiritual people, they're going to class in the morning, they're speaking in tongues, they're coming back, they're speaking in tongues, they don't greet anybody, they just look straight. Yeah. Yeah, they make Christianity, uh, um, you know, unattractive, because they don't even look good. Yeah. You know, they they are they, not fashionable. What they do is just speak in tongues. But I remember, I remember when we started our fellowship. <laughs> Let me make you laugh. When I when I got into college, as a freshman. I went to a fellowship. Back in the day, in the early 90s, the SU movement was still very strong. Do you know in that fellowship, only two of us, this undergraduate universe, only two of us were in jeans. I felt like I was in the wrong place. These were young people. Everybody was wearing trousers. As in, I don't know how to describe it, (laughs) <laughs> funny looking trousers funny looking you know the, the, the other guy that was I mean I, I've always had low cut with jeans the other guy had those were the days of Mike Tyson he had his, his cut and his jeans after the service I went to meet him you have to be my friend We are the only one that look alike yeah. <laughs> you guys see my friend today he's a leader in Desta now That's how we became friends, actually, because I just went to meet him. He was the only person that looked like me. And I started telling myself, I can't survive here. It was in the process of praying about that, that God challenged me. That you know I've always told you I wanted to use you. You can start something here. That will change this place. And that was how all the club boys started to come in. Yeah, because we look like them. Yeah. And Christianity became more attractive. young boys, court boys, were giving their life to Christ in our fellowship. All the the good-looking babes started to come. And you know, when the good-looking babes go in the particular direction, boys will follow. Yeah. But in the first year of that fellowship, it crossed a (laughs) hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Just making Christianity more attractive. So don't have what I call dirty spirituality. Dirty spirituality is when you do everything spiritual to show off. You don't really have a walk with God. Yeah. When you want to look holy, you don't look holy. You you live holy. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. You live holy. Every other thing is added. The Holy Spirit just starts to direct you. You know. So, it's important that you understand that that God wants you to live in the spirit. You're living in the spirit, you're positioning to, to walk in God's will. Uh, um, you need to be careful about the kind of music you listen to because they inspire you and create an atmosphere around your life. In 2 Kings 3, when you read from verse 15 to 17, Elisha asked for a mystery to play music around him. The Bible says in verse 15, then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And I started to prophesy. That's the kind of music that will bring God's presence around you. You want to live in the spirit. Take out time to fast once in a while. You don't have to be in trouble to fast. You fast to fine-tune your, your connection with God. And to stay quiet and stay, make your spirit available for God to speak to you. You know the problem? Many people, until they are in a dire state and they, 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 they come into a critical juncture... They don't seek to spend time in God's presence. You know what that looks like? It's like, it's only when you need something from me that you come to hang around me. If you're a true friend, hang around me all the time. Yeah. Call me. Chat with me. You know there are some pest, you know, kind of people that when you see their WhatsApp chat, you know they need something. Am I saying the truth? That's how some of us are to God. Yeah. You will only hear your voice early in the morning when you have a a threat letter at work. Yeah. When there's a target that you need to meet that you have not met. But when everything is rosy, you don't have any life of connection with God. You're not living in the spirit. You're not aware of your spiritual life. Secondly, is consecration. Positioning to work in God's will, you need to live a consecrated life. In Matthew 26 and verse 39, the Bible talks about Jesus and how he lived a consecrated life. Matthew 26 and verse 39. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh my Father, if it is possible, let his cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Real humility is to be able to align my will with God's will. The reason why some people are struggling to walk in God's will is that you are always afraid that what God is going to tell you to do. You know, when we were growing up as believers, uh, those belief systems are probably not pervasive again. Especially when it comes to choosing a life partner, they will tell you that God will give you somebody that you don't like and that. Is because God wants to break you, so you should accept whoever God gives you. That the will of God, you know, will not be fine. That the will of God will not be attractive to you. It's a sign that is the will of God when you don't feel anything. <laughs> those are, I mean, those are junk teachings. I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> the will of God will not make you. <laughs> will not turn you to a wreck. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. So, but God is delighted when I'm consecrated to him. What does it mean to be consecrated to God is to say, whatever is your will, I'm willing to do it. Even if it's not necessarily my preference. When you get to that point, God is teaching you consecration. Because at the end of the day, what God will bring your way may even be far more than you can imagine. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying today. Consecration says, never say never. Yeah, You want to walk in the will of God for your life? Never say never. Never. Me, I can never live in Ibadan. Eh? La- in some people say, never. I can never, I, can, I can never live in Abuja. Don't talk like that. Whatever if God has a plan for you to do something in Abuja, to live in Abuja at a particular point in your life. But don't say never. Consecration is, Lord, whatever is your will for me, I'm willing to align with it. This is how we position to work in God's will. You can't constantly, you know, live a life that is not consecrated to God and then think that God will just be leading you. Psalm 25 and verse number 9. The Bible says, the humble, it will guide in justice. The humble, it teaches his ways. And humility is for you to be able to say, Lord, let your will be done in my life. That's real humility. It's the humble person that the Bible says God will teach his ways. Do you want to know the ways of God? Be humble in your approach to your relationship with God. Live a consecrated life. Live a consecrated life. When Jesus came to that point in the Garden of Gethsemane, he just gave God the full charge, the full control of his life. Lord, have your way. This is going to be painful. It's going to be a painful experience to go to the cross. But if, if, if it's your will, he said, let this God pass over me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours. Yeah, not my will, but yours. Uh, Paul right, wrote about the, that same encounter of Jesus in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. He said, and being found in appearance of a man, he humbled himself. And became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Until you embrace consecration, you can't get into the fullness of God's will for your life. If Jesus never went to the cross, the fullness of the reason for God sending him will not manifest. Which is that he will become the savior of the world. Are you still with me today? And it's the same thing for all of us. We need to live a life that is consecrated to God. Um, The story of John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3 and verse uh, 13 to 17 when John was to baptize Jesus. John said, I know God's plan for my life. You must increase that I may decrease. He consecrated himself. He accepted what God has in mind for him. The story was very simple. John was baptizing people. Then Jesus showed up. John knowing who Jesus is and the fact that God has used him to prophesy about Jesus, he said, no, 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 I shouldn't be baptizing you, you should baptize me. Jesus said, no, let's do this to fulfill our righteousness. Yeah, you baptize me. And John stepped in and he told everybody, I must decrease for him to increase. Have you ever been in a situation where you have to pull yourself down for somebody to have the right of way? Are you humble enough to do that so that God will exhort you? That's how to walk with God to be somebody that can walk in the will of God. It's difficult to walk in the will of God when you always want to have your own way and get things done your own way. You need to submit it to Him. That's a consecrated life. A consecrated life. The third thing I love to talk to, talk about, about positioning to walk in God's will, is to be a giver, live a life of giving. Solomon gave a thousand burnt offering, and the heavens opened over his life and God gave him a blank check. 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 4 and 5. God appeared to him. Do you want God to be interested in the affairs of your life? Don't be stingy towards God. A thousand burnt offering in the days of Solomon was not a joke. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 4 to 5 it says now the king went to Geboah. Uh, Gibbon, uh, to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand bond offering at that altar. Verse 5 says, um, at Gibeon, the, the, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, ask what I shall give you. Blank check. And Solomon said, give me wisdom. Yeah, and God said, you have it. And he knew what to do with the rest of his life and he was able to turn that around. In Acts of the Apostles, you read the story of Cornelius. I think in Acts chapter 10 or so. Cornelius. The Bible says his arms giving has come as a memorial to God. God had to send Peter to his house to direct him on what to do. Sometimes when you are a giver, God sends people to you to direct you, to give you direction. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Yeah. Because God knows that when you walk in his will, and more good things happen to you, you will still be generous towards him. God, talking about Titan, Malachi chapter 3 uh, from uh, verse 10, he said, I will open the windows of heaven. You see, when God opened the windows of heaven over your life, it's not, have you, <laughs> it's not money that will fall down. What will fall down is direction. You know what to do at the right time. What will come down when the heavens open is ideas, direction, leading, knowing who to connect with, knowing who to speak to. That's what the opening of heavens you know, do over your life. It, 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 will, it will lead you to a, a point where you are not struggling for direction in life because we are connected with God vitally. Is somebody still with me today, I said, are you still with me? Let me quickly talk through this in five minutes. The, we're talking about, I've spent time on the positioning to work in God's will. Let me s- speak through this in a few minutes. The, the, the ways that the Holy Spirit leads us, because the Holy Spirit is the one that God has charged with the responsibility of leading believers in our world today. One is through your thoughts. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7 uh, uh, Verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and fasting, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And Verse 7 says, And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. One translation, I think it's the maybe more fat translation. It says, The peace of God that passes all understanding will become the umpire. The umpire, in the game of sport, is the one that calls a foul and says, Play on. Am I saying the truth? That means the peace of God then becomes your guide. And how does it come? Verse 8 of Philippians chapter 4. Give me verse 8, please. Somebody need the Holy Ghost? Alright, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are Can we read it together? Whatever things are, whatever things are good, if there's any virtue, if there's. The Holy Spirit wants to lead me through my thoughts. And He says, you know what? For me to be able to lead you very well through your thought life, make sure that your thoughts. The raw materials for your thought, you source them from the right direction. Yeah. The peace of God wants to be the umpire in my heart, guiding me through life by the help of the Holy Spirit. But I need to focus on verse 8 of Philippians chapter 4. You cannot be on, you have a radio that can pick signal, but your signal is completely maybe on beat FM, and you want to be hearing something from Inspirational FM. Is it possible? Yeah. It's only a bit you will hear. Yeah. It's the same thing. It says, for me to be able to have the right incursion into your thought life and lead you, this is where your mind should be. Somebody be in this spray. Put it back. This is where your mind should be. Your mind should be on these things. When you see your mind straying away into another station, put it back here finally brethren whatever things are true noble just pure lovely you can't be meditating on impure thoughts all day and expect that the Holy Spirit will lead you to go and see the right person for business no I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying because he wants to use your your thought life to lead you where you just think about certain things And you receive an inspiration to want to do them or follow through with them. And you find peace in your heart as an umpire leading you to walk through that maze. But you need to follow through with this. This is what your mind should be on. Whatever things are lovely. hatred is not lovely. Don't keep somebody in your heart and you are boiling all day thinking about how you are going to speak what you call sense into their head. And that's where your mind has been all day. You didn't open your mouth to say, This person that is annoying me. Let me even pray for the person. Maybe I'll feel better. Yeah. And have lovely thoughts about them. The fact that this is your friend. Instead of hating this person, uh, you know, God can turn his life around or turn our life around. And, you know, all that. That's, if there's any virtue, if there's anything that is praiseworthy, whatever is not praiseworthy, if you want the Holy Spirit to walk through your mind to lead you, don't think on them. When they come to mind, jettison them. You, you know you can, you, can, you can control what you think about. Yeah. You, can, you see some thoughts will come to my mind. I bind you. Bind you. In Jesus' name. Cut you out. Yeah. And I think about maybe what I meditated on this morning from the Word of God or something I'm trusting God for. I push my mind back there. Yeah. Put my mind back there. That's how to to. You can't keep your mind sane like that. The Holy Spirit, from time to time, when you do that, when you keep your mind sane like that, when you meditate on the right thing, it makes an incursion into your mind from time to time. Comes in with a thought that will guide your life. Is this blessing somebody? I cannot hear your amen. Amen. So the Holy Spirit wants to lead you through your thoughts, you know, through the peace of God in your mind. Secondly, through scriptures through scriptures. Through revelation knowledge and typologies. How do I mean? The Holy Spirit wants to lead you through scriptures because sometimes you are reading a portion of the scripture and something just resonates with you that makes you to know that this is the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do. Sometimes it happens almost literally. God is trying to talk to you, maybe to forgive somebody, and you read a passage of the scripture that just speaks to it and you just know that that's what you should do. And you're working in the will of God for your life. Yeah. God wants you to uh, um, refrain from going somewhere, and you're reading the scripture, and you read the story of somebody that refrained from going somewhere, and something happened, or maybe you just got a bad advice from someone, and you, you, you're still thinking about it. Is this a good advice or not? And then maybe you read about the story of the old prophet and the new prophet in the Bible. God has spoken to the old new prophet, go in this direction. The old prophet said, ah, no, we, we know God more than that now. God doesn't talk like that. You go in this direction. Come and eat, self, Eat. The, the guy ate, went in that direction of the old prophet. A lion was waiting there to kill him. Yeah. It's very simple. So you, you read that kind of thing. The Holy Spirit just comes upon you and causes you to become aware. Ah, maybe that advice is the wrong one. No wonder I've not had peace in my heart about it. No, I'm not going in that direction. is where I'm going. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. So the scriptures just resonates with you. Either through shared revelation knowledge or just typologies. You just see a type of what you're going through. Yeah. And you just, you just align with it. The third one, other Bible-based literatures, testimonies of other people, and other people's experiences. Sometimes when you listen to a testimony, It's your prophecy to guide you to know what you should do or how God moves in people's lives. It becomes your own prayer point. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, I've read books in my life, Bible-based books that just, just reading through it, that's why I love to read the biography of great people of faith. Yeah. Especially Christians who have, who have, you know, made a mark in our world. When you read their biographies, sometimes, you just see yourself in it and see the parallels. <laughs> you see the parallels. I remember when, when uh, God started to speak to my heart about the Elevation Church starting from the highlanders, making the highland our base. I had a struggle with it. I had a struggle with it. At some point, I thought uh, maybe the Elevation Church is supposed to start from Abuja. I wanted to leave Lagos. Yeah. After a while, I started to feel differently about it. And I knew God was the one talking to me. Then the issue of coming to the island came up. The first time I mentioned it to my wife, hmm, she was like, hmm, hmm, we need to pray about this. Yeah. In my mind, I was thinking about, they didn't need any church on the island again. See, I'm just talking about six and a half years ago. Do you know how many churches were thriving here then? Ah, somehow I can confess to you today that I was afraid of coming here. Now I picked the book. Purpose driven church. In chapter one of that book, Rick Warren, the pastor of Saddleback Community Church in Orange County, uh, California, was writing about how God led him to start Saddleback Church, I think in 1985. Yeah. And how the first thing that came to his mind when God says, Go to South Orange County, is I I, I mean, was that he thought about all the big, big churches that were already in existence there. The moment as I started reading that, I just started seeing myself there. Ah, this is my thought. He mentioned churches, like three or four, leading churches, making waves there. And he said, But God told him, I still want you to go there. And I still want you. And as at the time he was writing that book, the church had already become one of the most influential churches, not just in South Orange County, but in the whole of California, and one of the most influential churches in the whole of America. Ah, when I read that, I said, God is speaking to me. I must deal with my fears. That place is where we're going. Yeah, I don't care how much it will cost to get a venue. I don't care how this is going to happen, but that's where we're going because I can see it here. It's not by chance that I'm reading this book now. Is this blessing somebody? This is part of the reason why you should also trust God to help you to read the right books at critical junctures in your life some things will just resonate with you. That's why you should read also. (laughs) Because some people are not reading. Yeah. You know the truth? You cannot dictate to God how he should lead you. That's why you should be open to many things. (laughs) Yeah. So that's why you should read. And trust God to lead you to read the right books. Number four is dreams and visions. It shows still pictures, videos to you. Sometimes, in your dream, sometimes you are alive like this. You are awake. A thought will just flash through your mind about something. We call that trance. A trance is what happens to you when you see a picture or video while you are not sleeping. Yeah, while you are not sleeping. When you say somebody fell into a trance, you are just like the way <laughs> uh, Pastor oh God, is looking at me right now. She may be looking at me and seeing something else. Yeah, that's a trance. You, you're, just, you're just seeing in your mind, you are seeing something. You know, you can be sitting down here and God reveals something to you. It happens to Peter. Peter Bible says in the hour of prayer, Peter went to the roof to pray. And as he he just saw a trance. A sheet that was coming down from heaven. And then some animals were coming down. God said, arise, kill and eat. Peter said, no, I don't eat what is unclean, you know, and all that conversation happened. And the leading from that is Peter, I wanted to go to the house of colonius to go and do an assignment there. The trance was to tell Peter that, see, I know you want not want to go to the house of colonius but I'm the one sending you. It would have been easier for Peter to go to the house of a Jew because the disciples of Christ at that time, they were only preaching to the Jews only. They were not talking to Gentiles people who are not Jews. And God wanted to send him to the house of Colonials, who was a Jew, I mean a Gentile. So God started by confronting his mindset yeah, in that trance. So he was properly led and guided there. Some of us have dreams. When you are dreaming consistently or once in a while and you see things in your dream and they come to pass, you need to take your dream more seriously. Perhaps God wants to be leading you through dreams. Or maybe He has given you a gift, and even with that you can, you can help others. So you don't, you don't want to take it for granted. You wake up from that kind of a dream and pray true. If you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues consistently, maybe 30 minutes, maybe an hour. Something will settle into your spirit about what God is saying to you. Yeah. You know it's laziness when you have a dream, and consistently you have to tell somebody to help you interpret it. <laughs> you can kill that's sauce. If you continue like that, because if somebody interprets wrongly for you once or twice, after a while, God will not use dream to speak to you again. He wants you. He wants it to activate something in you that will seek Him and drive you to His presence, so you can pray through and get the interpretation. You can now bounce the interpretation you have gotten off somebody. I, I don't know if you are getting what I am saying. Yeah. Whether the dream is scary or something, just pray about it. Spend time to pray about it. Because God leads people through dreams. Yeah, when you read through the Bible, Joseph got a glimpse of his future through his dreams. Daniel, Peter, in Acts 10, I just spoke about. Lastly, a still small voice. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10, you hear something about a still small voice. God sometimes just drops a voice in our heart. It was just like what I spoke about after I finished praying intensely about which school should I go for college, for for yeah for, uh, a degree. I just, I just felt an impression, like a, a voice telling me, check your journal. The solution is there. Yeah. Sometimes it comes to you like a thought. Sometimes it's like somebody... Spoke behind you, and you just heard it, you you, you had it lightly, just somehow behind you. Everything I've shared here today, they're real, and it's your choice how you want to walk with God, but you must master how God leads you because you need Him to lead and direct your life. Don't be vague. Don't be vague about your life, don't be vague. Lastly today, can you put up for me Ephesians chapter 5? Ephesians chapter 5. It's just a scripture that I want you to go with. I'm done. Just a scripture that I want you to go with. Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, and I think from verse 12. Okay, no, from, yeah, from, no, let, let's, let's pick it from verse 15. Ephesians 5, verse 15. It says, see then that you walk, how? How? I'm still waiting for some people. How? Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand the will of the Lord. Can we have it in message translation? Do you have message translation? If you do, can you put it up in message translation? Yeah. Let's read it together. I want to go. We'll do it one more time. One more time. Is that okay? Let's go from verse 15. One more time. So watch your steps. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. Lift your two hands to Jesus today. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Watch your steps. Use your head. You need to understand what the master wants. It's a responsibility that is on you. The responsibility to take charge of your life is not on your pastor but it's on you. To be able to hear from God and be guided by God is on you. And you cannot afford to take it for granted. If you can I want you to get the message, listen to it over and again, get other literatures on how God leads. You need to start to work with God early in life. If you want to maximize life. So lift your two hands to Jesus today and make a commitment. Lord, I want to work with you. I want you to lead me. I want you to guide me. Guide every of my decisions. Decisions in career. Decisions in business. Decisions in marriage. I'm putting everything in your hand today. I trust you to guide me. I trust you to guide my decisions. 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 decisions. Will you speak to God today? Do it from your heart. Let God know that you are willing to let go of your life in his hand. Will somebody tell God this afternoon that I, I believe and I know that the best thing that can happen to me is to be in your will. So have your way in my life. Lead and guide me that I can maximize my life. That I will be able to maximize my life. somebody also talk to God this afternoon and tell him Lord, help me to spend time with you. Help me to to meditate on your word. Help me to be conscious of your presence. Let me not be distracted by the things going on around me. Let not let uh, social media not be my preoccupation. Even when I'm on social media I want to be aware that you are with me. That you are working with me. I want my mind to be a to your signals that however I express myself is with the consciousness of your presence. With me, everyone. Lord, in the name of Jesus. I speak of the blessing of divine guardians over everyone present here this morning. Everyone who will listen to this message after now. We ask that grace comes upon their lives to walk in your perfect will. In the name of the Lord Jesus. I stand against the stronghold of confusion. If there's anyone under the influence of my voice who is confused right now, about anything, any decision. I break the hold of confusion over your heart. And I decree the peace of God guides you into the fullness of God's will for your life. Father, we thank you. We declare in the name of Jesus, no one here will marry wrongly. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask that you guide all of our career decisions. Guide our business decisions. We we'll recognize you as the shepherd of our soul. We'll give you full control today. And we ask that you have your way in our lives. Wave your hands to Jesus if you are giving him full control today. Just wave your hands to him. Let him know that you are fully submitted and fully surrendered to him. Thank you for listening to a message from the Life Point Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifepointNG.